0: Awesome. So, we're back. This is Sarah. We'd oh, love to
1: know. <clears throat> oh, I, I might not be able to talk today. You get all
0: choked up about it. I might it.
1: not be able to talk today. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know how you did that, how we got two weeks in a row. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're back.
0: Yeah, it's good. So, what happened last week is we were talking about um, <laughs> the whole passage. We've been going through Ephesians, and um, this will be kind of like the second to last. Next week, we'll finish off Ephesians. But we were talking last week about wives submitting and husbands loving. And we really, I, I really think, like, we'll just spend the, the rest of today talking about wives submitting. No, we're good. I think we, I we like wrapped Lord... that one up real good. No, we're good? Yeah, yeah we're good. We buttoned good. that one up? Yeah, we did. Awesome. Brought that and around. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. we, so the, here's the premise of this, like, mini-series that we've been going through in Ephesians, is that Ephesians it has, is six chapters. You could probably read it in under an hour. Um, but really the first three chapters are Paul talking about the history of the world and God's plan and how his plan kind of culminated with Jesus Christ and how everything that was mysterious before was now be- being revealed in Christ. The second half, chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul kind of turns the corner and starts talking about very specific things like this is how you were, but this is now how you are. And then he gets into chapter five about husbands and wives, and and then chapter six about children and parents and slaves and masters and all this stuff. And so I think what's interesting is that really the first half of the book of Ephesians is kind of explaining kind of like the the why behind all these other things. And if you only take the second half, which we'll look at um, a portion of chapter six now, you look at this and you'd almost say like, wow, it's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Like, this is typical, like what I think of as stereotypical church, like all you have is a bunch of rules. But when you go back, which we will to chapter 2, you'll understand kind of what the, the underpinning of everything is. So if you have a Bible, you're going to want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to be there, and then we're going to be in chapter 2. And, and uh, I would love to be able to have Sarah pray before uh, we read this uh, passage. So go ahead. Awesome. Father, we do thank
1: you that we could be here um. So much has probably happened in this last week, and we're all just fatigued, uh, maybe emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and we just want to take a moment to breathe and give you room to come in and speak. We know that you have good things for us, that you gave us your words that we could grow and we could um, understand more of who you are and consequently who we are, and so we just pray that. Um, we'd be able to shut off some of the thoughts that are racing through our minds, and we would be able to focus in on your word and hear what you have to say, that we could um, know with a deep knowing how loved we are and all the great things that you have in store for us. And we just give you these next moments and invite you in and ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. (laughs) So we're going to read chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And it goes like this, and all the kids in the room, good thing they're, they're out, but other bigger kids are going to love this. So children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment and with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then it turns to fathers. Fathers, do not exacerbate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So this one is uh, one we didn't get to last week, but it's, par- it's part of those family dynamics, and I'm sure that going through Thanksgiving and all that fun stuff, parents, I'm sure that your kids obeyed perfectly through that whole process, and it was amazing. We don't need to spend a lot of time there. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. honoring
1: comes so easy. Yeah, it's yeah, just so Yeah, even good. for adults?
0: Yeah, like even right. y- yesterday we were cracking up about the pizzas, right? <laughs> right, pizzas. right. Uh, you,
1: you can't turn the oven on for me? Yeah. Really?
0: Okay. Turn awesome. the oven on. Yeah, there you go. All right.
1: <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, there's just, yeah, that, that stuff, that stuff exists.
0: So I think we, we think <laughs> about this, and if we take Maybe. this in an unhealthy way, what it can look like is basically parents, you're the boss, they, your kids do whatever you say, and if they don't, they're in trouble because they're disobeying the Lord, and it's, this is a big deal, this is a commandment, um, and that it's basically, it's that power over, like basically you do what I say, and that's how it goes. How many of you have parented long enough, if you're a parent, you're, you know that that doesn't really go that well? There's a, there's a type of parent that does that. It's like an authoritative, like, this is top-down. This is what it's all about. This is me telling you exactly what to do. And if you don't do it, then there's consequences that you're not going to like. And I think that really this is really said within an environment And in a context of a lot of other stuff that has been said by Paul in Ephesians about living with grace and forgiveness and love. And so we don't necessarily see that written here. So we have to understand like what the heart is. Right.
1: We want to take things out of context. I mean, you know, you've you've had this one spoke over you often. Um, And so it can be something that we just kind of take out and we say, all right, so this is what we're going to do. And um, I think if we were to look back at the Old Testament and we were to understand the laws of the Old Testament and when God gave them, what the intention was with all of that. If you read those laws through the lens of this hammer down um, approach, that's exactly how you're going to read that scripture there. And I think the unfortunate thing with that is that's not who God is. God is uh, is a God of, of love. And when we understand the heart behind the law, then we understand why obedience is important. And so when you see one of the first laws that came to mind was um, he gave them very specific depths for holes to dig in the Old Testament, in Leviticus. Anyone ever read about that? After you
0: went to the bathroom, then you would dig a hole. After you went to
1: the bathroom. There were very specific measurements given because God is like, I want you to get a tape measure out and tell me how deep was that hole? Or was it because he wanted them healthy and well and knew if you do this, you won't get sick? So you see the difference between the two views? So if we can go back and we can see all the different laws that were given and we look at it through the lens of love You start to see the motivation and the heart behind why God does what he does. So if we as parents are trying to get our children to hop to, do what I say because I said to do it, we miss the heart behind why I need you to obey. So there are some silly things like I told you to put the Play-Doh away. I'm not asking a second time.
0: We're not going to count to three.
1: I don't count to three. I I told you once and I expect obedience. Not because I needed the play-doh put away, because I need you to do what I say, but because I need to know that when a car is coming down that street and you're too close to the road and I call your name, you come immediately. Because I care about your life. And so my motivation for some of these other silly things along the way for obedience is not because I'm going to rule and reign over you, but because I care that you live. I care that you have all that you need. And sometimes, as a child, you don't know what's coming down the pike. But as a parent, you're seeing the train coming. And so we've had a lot of these conversations with our kids. Things that I'm looking and I'm going, that's not going to be good. Can you trust me? And I think that when we look at this obedience in Ephesians and the honoring, it's trust. And we're trying to teach our kids to trust the heart of the father. And so what they have to look at is an earthly example here. So when mom and dad ask you to do something, can you trust that that's for your good? And maybe, maybe not even for your good, maybe for the good of the family, maybe for the good of someone else, and we're going to choose to not put our self first, and we're going to choose to think of someone else and recognize that. This obedience, this honor is because it's ultimately for your best.
0: And I think it kind of relates back to even some of us who aren't parents where God is trying to develop a relationship with you so that you can hear his voice. And that when his voice speaks to you, that you're able to discern it and able to move in that direction because there's trust there, because he's built a relationship there. So really, in a way, I mean, we're children of God, and these are, these are, these are words that are for us as well. When you get to the fathers, don't, you know, like, frustrate your children. Um, we don't talk about that one very often. Yeah, you don't yeah. talk about that one very much. And, and to be honest.: Yeah, yes. to be honest with you, the idea behind that, has been, like Sarah mentioned, has been definitely kind of like thrown at me in um, some conversation and even some arguments that I've been in with my, with my dad, where it would be like, you know what, um, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're my kid, you need, the Bible says, love that, right? The Bible says, you need to obey what I say, you need to honor me. And, you know, in an unhealthy way, that was kind of like lorded over me. And maybe some of you are there, too. But the way that that scripture is taken out of like in an unhealthy way, that is really a frustrating of the child where now you've actually caused a rift between you and your kids. And and it's not okay. And I think that it doesn't reflect what really the father heart of God is all about. And and I would say, too, that um all of our kids are different. And that's where like parenting becomes like extra complicated is when you have extra kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so you're, you're trying to, and again, if you're not a parent, think about like how you were parented and you know, were you grouped together in a group and like this is how we're gonna roll or were you really try, did, did your mom and dad like try to understand you and what makes you tick? And and that was really something that we've had to learn. I didn't have have a healthy model at home to understand and to actually inform how I would be a dad. And many of us may be in that same boat. Of course, we've we've got, you know, Sarah's mom and dad um, were not perfect, but it was a much different environment that she grew up in. And so I have four kids, and I don't know what I'm doing. I've got nothing to look at. Oh, yeah, so this is when this happens, this is what my dad did. No, like there was nothing, none of that. And I think it's been a process over time of really understanding, like, and allowing God to teach me and, and to, to provide some things to me that, would, that were from churches that I was attending that would allow me to really understand that. Um, one quick um, example of, like, where this breaks down and, like, like the, the father relationship, like, short circuits is um, a quick story that um, I told last night, which is Micah was on a junior high basketball team, and he was doing really well. And he, um, he switched teams, um, I think in his seventh grade, eighth grade, somewhere in there. And um, he was going to be going back to play his old team. And his old team was really bad. They had, like, on a junior high team, they had, like, third and fourth graders playing, you know, and Micah's 6'2", and it just was going to be kind of like a little rough, you know, they were going to, it was going to be hard. Micah was, oh Micah, he didn't want to go back and mop the floor with his old team, like he, he felt bad about that, and he was talking to me about, dad, I really don't want to play in that game, can you talk to coach, can you talk to coach, I really don't want to play in this game, I don't want to like face my old teammates, my old coach, and like just, it's just not going to be okay, I don't want to do it, I just want to sit on the bench. Would you talk to coach? Would you talk to coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No big deal. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And then I get a call. This is probably a few weeks long. I get a call from the coach and the coach talks to me and says, I've noticed that Micah seems to be carrying kind of a burden. And the burden is the fact that he doesn't really want to play in this game that's coming up. Uh, do you know about that game? I'm like, yeah, I know about that game. He's like, I wanted to know if it would be okay with you as his dad, if it would be okay if he sat that game and he didn't play and just allow the, the, the other guys to play that, t- that, that game. And I said, yeah, that would be great. And I, and, and I said, you know, he's been talking to me about this. And I hung up the phone and I felt like, wow. Like, uh, s- as his dad, He's communicating directly to me, doing everything he needs to do to say, like, this is something that I'm not okay with. Would you talk to my coach? But it's the coach that ends up having to talk to me and to kind of course correct where that was going. And it kind of was a wake-up call to me to be like, wow, I need to, be, I need to pay a little more attention to what's going on here and in the heart of my kid." So I think that that can be even a way that frustrates our kids is when we're not listening, we're not fighting for them, and we're not doing the things we need to do as parents. So I think that that, I don't know, for me, I hope it's an encouragement. There's hope for you. All of my kids are somewhat okay. Yeah, like, we have tr- we have screwed them up on so oh, many sure. fronts. Like, we have missed That's why it I say somewhat, Yeah. So
1: many fronts, and I think that's the grace of God, you know, to recognize that w- even though I did grow up in a home where that was a healthy environment, and I did see... Um, the love of my parents and it was easy to obey in a lot of ways. I, I wanted to because I saw good from that and so you know that, those things were always there and yet it, it's still every generation's choice to follow through with that. So um, I'm not guaranteed that because my parents made good choices for me doesn't mean that I'm going to do that as well. Those are individual choices and so we can start today to say no, I'm going to, to listen to the Holy Spirit because there are nudges and there's some great books. There's some awesome things out there about um, how we can grace parents our kids and how we can um, be Jesus to them and give them a picture of who he is and still be human and have mistakes.
0: And I think where this leads to is when we have almost like a, I'm better than my kids or I'm, I have a pride. I have a, a, a way. I, I'm the one that should be really exercising my power over them. Let's go to chapter 2 of Ephesians and understand what, what Jesus did and why Why would Paul talk about husbands, wives, kids, and parents? Why would he talk about those things? And so here's, here's uh, what it says in Ephesians. The whole passage is 21 through 33, but we're just going to pick up in verse 14 and go through 18. This is kind of like the, the, un, like the backdrop of what this passage about kids and fathers was really has behind it. For he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace. He's our peace, who has made the two groups one. Now let's stop there. What, who are the two groups? The two groups are the Jews and the Gentiles. And so these two groupings of people have been at odds for thousands of years. The Jews are God's chosen people. They have everything. They have the law, they have a covenant, they have all of that. The Gentiles are trash. These people are without God. They don't, have, they don't follow the law. They, do, they have zero hope. None whatsoever. There is a division between the two. Now, once in a while, maybe a Gentile would come over and, and convert to, to Judaism, but by and large, the Jews would 100% say the Gentiles are lost and are going to be destroyed. And so what he is saying here is that the two groups... Have become one. And he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Well, what was the dividing wall of hostility? Well, the hostility was just this hatred between these two groups, but the cause of that was the law. It was this idea that, man, we're following the rules. You're not, so we're better than you. And so he did that by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and its regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, in Jesus, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away, the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, the Jews. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Look at all the oneness language in this. So here's what Jesus does. He takes a thousands of year old division between two cultural groups, religious groups, and he brings them together as one through the cross. He literally makes amends between these two. So a couple years ago, Gentiles were never at our dinner table if we were Jewish. And now all of a sudden, after Jesus, now all of a sudden they're, they're eating with us. This is not okay. And so Paul writes this to help us see that there were divisions. There were two different groups. One thought they were better than the other. And now Jesus brings them together. Here is what you got to ask yourself. Like, why is that? Why is that a thing? He destroys the barrier. He provides the purpose and he reveals that. There's this peace, and oneness is emphasized. So you look at this, you see that the two have been united in verse 14. You see that one new humanity has been made out of two in verse 15. Both are reconciled in one body, and both have access by one spirit. Oneness is all about in in this passage. But I think here's the big idea, and we've said it last week, we'll say it this week. When it's God, and when God is involved in community... And in church and in families, one plus one is always one. So in this passage, we see that Jew plus Gentile equals one. Further on in chapter 5, we see that husband plus wife equals one. The two will become one. And then in chapter 6, we see children plus parents equals one. When it comes to God and it comes to our relationships, when we think that there are other people that they may disagree with us, we may think we're better than them, God is like, that is not me. That hostility has been removed. If he, how many of you would think that if God can remove the hostility between an ancient division of people, the Jews and the Gentiles, that he could remove the hostility between you and Uncle Bob? Or you and your mom? Or you and your dad? Or you and your kids. And when we live in the hostility and accept it, what does that mean? If your house is just a nightmare and you don't want to go home ever because of your spouse or because of your kids or because of you, I don't know, and there's hostility there, then is that, is that a Jesus environment? Jesus removes the dividing wall of hostility and allows for us to somehow interact together as one. But how many of us experience that on a daily basis? We don't. We don't. I think the key is that verse 19. um, Verse 18, I'm sorry. For through him we both have access to, to the Father by one spirit. Access. Access really means that what Christ did for us is that we're able to go directly to the Father and to speak to him, to pray, to talk to him, to vent some days. And access is interesting, because we're super excited about that, right? Is anybody excited about the fact that you don't need to go through anybody else to get to the Father, but you're able to access Him directly? But here's what I'll say. If Sarah and I, if I give Sarah full access to my heart, but she doesn't give me access to hers, How's that going to go? Or if she gives full access to her heart, how she's feeling, what she needs, what her dreams are, what she hopes, her hopes are for our family, for our kids. She shares all of that with me, but I don't share that with her, and I don't give her access. Does that, is that going to work? I think that the key is when we're able to allow God access to our heart. Um, and, and this is the hard part, right? When we have grown up, I haven't, as I stated before, there, there wasn't an environment of access. There wasn't an environment of, of health where we were able to have, you know, this, this great environment where we were talking and we were connecting and all that. And I think what was cool, and we should just talk just briefly about some of the things that we're doing back there with those kids today and throughout the week, is that as my kids were growing up, I was, I was introduced some, to some resources that helped me to understand like what this could look like and how to do it. And I'm like forever thankful for those things. But I mean, describe some of that because really what we believe and why this is important for us to hit on this week is that what happens at home is more important than what happens on the weekend.
1: Which is saying something when it's our job. (laughs) You know, Saturday, Sundays, these are our work days. These are like, and yet we know that if we don't resource you today, what's the rest of the week look like? God's concerned about seven days. He's not just concerned about you check the box on Sunday. So this home first thing is um, in our DNA, It's, it's, it's deeply woven into the church and what we believe, because um, I don't, I mean, at least personally, I didn't know what all to do with my kids. We did devotions at home, which, you know, we could make fun of Kelly for a minute. Um, <clears throat> my brother made bird noises every time we had
0: devotions. It was immersive. It was like, every part time, of the
1: story. sometimes a turkey collar came out. I mean, like, I don't know, like, why? Why with the birds, Cal? I don't know why. But anyway, um, so, like, our devotions weren't super deep spiritual, like, we met God at the table, you know? It wasn't that. Um, But it did create an atmosphere where we loved the word. I mean, okay, we always went to Psalms for some reason, maybe because they were short. I don't know. But um, why they let us pick, I don't know. So there's so many questions I have now as an adult. Okay. But... um, when we, when we had our, our kids at home, we were like, all right, so what does this look like for us to live out our faith and um, seven Style? And all that kind of came out of some hard, dark places of us trying to realize, how, how, how do we adult? What does this look like to own my own faith? That this isn't the faith of my parents. This is my faith. And um, how do we grow in that? And so um, as a church, we made some decisions that not everyone agrees with, and um, I'm okay with that. We um, choose to keep the kids in service with us part of the time because this is their church as well. We don't care about um, what age you are. We don't care about what stage of life you're in. Um, This is everyone's church, and so we need them to know that from the beginning. And so we do send them back um, to a class partway through to get age-appropriate teaching, and um, that is not set up with a lot of hoopla and fanfare because, quite frankly, The kids have thoughts, they have ideas, they have um, an ability to talk to Jesus, and we want access to that information. And so the way that we teach is very relational. Um, I want to know what happened to you this week. I want to know what your baseball game was like. I want to know what you did with your neighbor friend. Because that sets up this, this place of We're in a relationship, all of us have thoughts, ideas, things that are going on in our life, and all of them are important. And so our atmosphere, a little more chill, a little more quiet, and every week they get sent home with a paper. If the parents do it at home, I don't know. That's not on me, not my kid. But Mm -hmm. here's the thing, sometimes we just need a resource. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have that stuff other places. Some of you, talking is an easy thing. I can talk about life. It's just, it comes super easy. Some, for some people, it's overwhelming to know where did this start? Where do I open up my Bible? Do we just read Psalms? Do we find ones with birds in it? Do we just make noises at our devotions? <laughs> um, and so what we're trying to do is just give you tools to say, try it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, find something else. Try something. Try something. I'm going to guard that one. That that one did not need to come out. So that one held in. Um, God gave you a gift when he gave you your children. He did not ask you to be perfect. He did not ask you to get it all right. He did not ask you to be God. He's got that one covered. But he is asking you to introduce your children to him. And it's your privilege to say, I want to introduce you to my daddy, and my daddy loves you, and my daddy has good gifts for you, and I have faults. I'm going to miss it, but I'm going to hold your hand, and I'm going to take you to Jesus. That's all he asks of you. Please, please ask him what that looks like in your home. And your kids are all different. Your kids aren't my kids. You can't parent the way I parented but you can give them Jesus. You can talk to the Holy Spirit. He talks to you, and he wants to help you know how to teach them obedience. They need to obey. Do not mishear me from that first scripture. Your children need to obey. Your children should be the one that everyone's asking to come to their house. Your children should be the one that employers are saying, I want them to work for me because I know that they have good character. They're going to show up. They're going to do what I ask them to do. Obedience is God's idea, not ours. Do not make your plan his plan. Teach them to honor him. And when you do, you have peace. You have peace in your home. You have a conversation at the table that you're invited to. No matter how hard that conversation is, no matter what they say, no matter how off it might be from scripture, you have a voice. When you invite Jesus into the conversation, I'll get off my soapbox. I'm good. I didn't cry.
0: Turn to the Colossians 3 because this illustrates what we're talking about. Isn't she good? Listen. Hey. Listen. Yeah. Okay. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune. This is Colossians 3. If you're close to it, if you're in Ephesians. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other in step with each other none of this going off and doing your own thing, and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense and sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. This is why we do children's ministry the way that we do it, is to help and partner with parents to give Jesus the run of the house, to give him plenty of room in our lives. It's why we've thrown out the seven-day gratitude challenge, is to cultivate thankfulness, and we know that thankfulness is all about cultivating our thankfulness to God and gratitude to God, and that produces joy in our life. But we want these things to happen so that that we give plenty of room in our lives for the Holy Spirit to move. And and to be honest, I think that access to you and to all of the areas of your life is the barrier. Last night, we uh, got to baptize someone. Um, super exciting. Kara Champlin was baptized yesterday. And the baptismal's here, um, still. I mean, I'm not afraid to baptize more folks if you're, if you're wanting to. But here's the thing. I want you to watch her video, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. But I want you to watch her testimony here, and I want you to listen to something in there. You're going to hear a moment, and this is the moment where she says something happened with her and God. And it was not okay. And it threw her off. But she illustrates what happens when you give access to your heart. So here is Kara Champlin talking to us.
2: Hi, my name is Kara Champlin. I am a development officer at Olivet Nazarene University. And I'm 24 years old, and I've been coming to second place for about seven-ish years. I was actually baptized at age eight, and I'm not discounting that baptism, but I wanted to do it as an adult. Around junior year of college, I thought that I heard a promise from the Lord that ended up not coming true. And looking back, I had actually misheard the promise and I had just heard what I wanted to hear, but it was a very defining moment in my faith, and I began to question can I hear the voice of the Lord? Do I know his voice, and is he good to me? Tough questions, and I would answer, at the time, I answered all of them with a no, like no, I cannot trust the Lord's voice, no, I can't trust his promises, and no, he's not good to me. Um, I probably consciously didn't acknowledge that that was how I was living my life, but it was what was happening. So at this time, I'm graduating college, I'm trying to figure out what my life looks like, um, what I wanted adulthood to be. Um, And I wanted to be successful. Who doesn't? And I had a very clear image in my head of what success looks like in terms of career, relationships, and lifestyle. Mm. The problem was is I wasn't trusting the Lord. Um, I had already told him that, like, you don't got my back. Sorry. Like, I know better because he hadn't come through for me two years prior. Um, So I was making all these plans without him. I felt like I was, and nothing was working. I should throw that in there. Like the the first few years out of college, nothing was working. My version of success was not happening, and it wasn't due to lack of effort. Like I was trying so hard and was working so hard, um, and nothing that I wanted was coming to fruition. Um, Looking back, it was spiritual. The Lord was like, no, you're not going to go forward until you and I have a conversation. We do this in partnership. Um, But it wasn't something that I was acknowledging. So after a series of events, I found myself at the beginning of the summer looking for a new job. And it was a very mentally and emotionally difficult season for me. Um... I was having multiple interviews with multiple different organizations, and I would get to the final round, and it would come down to me and the other candidate, and they would choose the other candidate. Um, and after many instances of this occurring, I realized that this was not a... This was a spiritual battle. This wasn't an issue of a lack of qualifications on my part. Basically, the Lord was like, until, until you and I have a conversation, we're not going to move forward. Um, At the same time, I had an image that I believe was from the Lord of him and I in this room together, and I was very small, um, and I was facing the corner with my back to the room, and I had my arms around all my dreams and my goals and my future, Um, and the Lord was behind me, and he, he was postured towards me, and... It wasn't that I that I wasn't acknowledging that he was in the space with me, is it's that I wouldn't turn around and see him, because in doing so I would have had to surrender everything that I wanted um and loosen my ironclad grip on my dreams. Um and as soon as I got that picture, I was like, Okay, Kara, like it's there's like a defining moment here. So I decided we're I surrendered. Basically, that's what happened is I was like, I don't know if what I want is ever going to happen. I don't know if my dreams are going to happen. I don't know if my goals, but I'm going to choose to do life with my first and foremost purpose, being to glorify the Lord, Um, whatever that looks like. And that was like a really, it's a really big prayer um, to say like, I don't know. What's coming next? Um, and I'm gonna choose to put you first. And it was scary. It still is scary. <laughs> um, about six weeks after that 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 moment, it happened around Fourth of July this past summer. I got the job that I currently have at Olivet, and it is not a job that I ever would have seen myself working, um, even a year ago, even six months ago. Um, but. It is the perfect job for me in this season of my life, and I'm not saying that, like, the moment you surrender to the Lord, He gives you everything you want, that's so not what I'm saying, but I would not have received my current job had I not postured myself in surrender towards Him, and He knew what I needed in a job before, much more than I did. Yeah. So my baptism today is a proclamation that I'm choosing to put the Lord first, and I'm choosing a lifestyle of surrender versus one of control. Thank you.
0: (laughs) So it's about access, right? And if we could flip over to to the there you go. So it's about access. So There's you, and there's God. And what Ephesians 2.18 says is that you, now, we all have direct access to God. And that's awesome. But the question I want you to wrestle with, because I think it, it it unlocks a lot of stuff in our families. It unlocks the stuff between spouses, between kids and parents, between friends, coworkers. Is that we have, for whatever reason, we've put up some sort of a barrier. And that barrier could be like how she described it. She described it as, you know, she thought she heard God, she didn't, she, she misheard whatever. And so instead of having access to us, God wants that access to us, but He doesn't he doesn't overthrow our will. And so that barrier is a thing. You know for, for her, you know over here on the left, there is this issue from two years ago that was creating this barrier. And for you, maybe, that's, maybe there's something, that, well, let's just say this. For all of us, there is something that causes this barrier to, to be put up. And I think the interesting thing about this is that as you allow yourself to put your guard down and let that barrier go away, what you will find is that God is, isn't over there. But what he is, is he's literally he's literally, literally with you. And he's with you, and, and even so, that barrier could still be a thing. That barrier could still be up. But instead of God being far away, God is very, very close to you. Maybe it's like what Kara said, is like he's literally in the room with you. You just haven't turned around to look at him and say, God, I want to do this your way. I want to surrender myself. I want to give you access to you and to me. So, you know, when we are in relationships, you know, whether that we're dating or whether we're um, in a family environment, spouse, kids, and all that stuff, and we're at Thanksgiving, right? We have this thing that we've been talking about, and it's, it's really, it's all about this idea of oneness and unity, and this is our goal, like this is what we're going after, and so maybe this is you over here, and this is me over here, this is, that, this is another person, Right? And this is another person. And, and if you take that diagram and that little weird drawing I just did, and you think about the fact that if I'm going, and this is kind of reflects back to a couple of weeks ago, if I'm putting up a barrier here, and you are too, and so is the nothas, it's really hard to get to unity. Put your family members in that. Put your friend group in that because we're all guarded and we've all got this barrier. But if for some reason I choose to remove my barrier and I make my way into the center and I say, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go into the center and I'm going to hang out there. This can be one of the hardest places to be when you're really trying to live out of who God says you are when you're surrounded by people that have their guard up. I was just talking to somebody uh, last night who had to go and have a conversation with her mom that was not going to be a great one. And so... There was an environment where she was going in like this, where she was operating and wanting oneness so bad and wanting there to be a good environment that was healthy, but all these barriers were up. But what we talked about is that if this is you, it is so important, and this is why God has put you there to show love, to give grace to forgive. She had to forgive her mom of some really hard things as she went in. But here's what I'm going to say. As you love and give grace and forgive, what happens is these people start to see that. And they don't understand it. And so what can happen, and it it does, is these barriers might start to come down. And there may be a chance, and there always is a chance, that they would then operate and go right into that place and join you in that unity. Here's what I'm gonna say. You might be here for a year or five years or 10 years before that movement happens. Why is that? Because you can't make anybody else move. You can't make anybody else take that barrier down. I can't convince you enough, I don't have the words enough to tell you that God is not over there. He's here. He's here. He's with you, and he's speaking to you. You can hear him. It's just a matter of saying, I'm going to surrender it people come into your life, God starts beginning to open up doors because you're able to see those things. Some of you are like, man, I don't even know how to pray and I don't know why I should pray. I'm going to tell you one of the things that's so awesome is that when God starts to move in your family and these barriers just start to be chipped away at, if you're not praying for these people, it's going to be, you you may not even notice it happening. So when you're praying for them and you're sensitized to what God is doing and all of a sudden somebody says something to you that says hey you know what I've been thinking about what you've been saying whoa we start to see God's activity and I think you know this is why um, this is why doing this is really hard Is because are we in it for a year are we in it for five or ten are we down are we going to go for that are we going to hang in there that long to see healing. And it all starts with us being willing to go back and say, all right, I can't unscramble scrambled eggs for anybody else, but I can for myself. Me and Jesus are going to go back. And I'm going to see all the dif- dysfunction in my family, and I'm going to see all of that, and I'm going to say, you know what, that, that was stuff that was done to me by my dad, by my mom, by my parents, by my siblings, by people. I had put voices in my head, and it, it caused me to believe things about myself that weren't true. All that stuff happened to me. But I'm going to tell you, God will show you in that mess and clearly show you that he was there and that he wants to heal that and bring you forward to today. So the adult, new you can truly live in a healed way. To be a catalyst for your family. To say, you know what? I'm going for it. Y'all can, you know, make fun of me, do, not do it. Like blow it off, whatever. But I'm going for it. So as we sing, my hope is that we would do the work this of this. And that um, we would even... Take our guard down over the next few songs. Sarah and I will be on this side of the room. If you want to pray through anything, if you want to pray about anything, if you, want to, if you want to surrender, we'll be over there and we'll be ready to pray. So why don't we stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for today. We thank you for what you're showing us in your word. Lord, that these rules and regulations and, like, obedience and submission and love and all that stuff. Lord, it really comes down to the fact that you remove the hostility and when we live out of that environment, Lord, things begin to change. If they don't change for anybody else, they change for us and because they change for us, it's automatically going to overflow into our relationships with others. And that's why chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians are so important. It's for us to understand the impact that Jesus had on the world and not just the world Generally, but our worlds specifically. And so God, we love you. We pray, God, that our hearts would be open and that you would continue the work in our hearts as we sing these songs to you, they're about you, and they are for you. So this week, it's all about breaking those patterns in our life. I, I think that that's a, a big part of like Allowing God access to our heart. You know, when we, when we worship, there's a lot of times when you can feel the barriers go down in the room, and then when worship ends, the barriers go back up. It's because the presence of God is here. And I want to encourage you to do the work this week to, to really go after this, this passage in Ephesians to, to take the gratitude challenge if you haven't done that, to develop that practice of gratitude, to make a list of where you want to give God access and then bring that list to Him every day. Like that, what happens during the week is more important than what happens on the weekend. So whatever you're whatever, if you don't like this list, make your own up. But I'm gonna tell you right now, but if you don't, if you check out with God until next Sunday, I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna have to pick up from where you're at, maybe a little further behind than now. Then, man to make that a lifestyle every day. So God, as we go, Lord, we pray that we would do the work that it takes to give you access. It doesn't even necessarily, I don't even know, it might be overwhelming for us to try to do that all at once, but Lord, you are faithful. You are so faithful to walk with us, to be with us, and to be patient with us. And so, Lord, as we feel that nudge, that we just respond. That's all you ask. Like, when you nudge us, that we would respond and that, Lord, you would work through the, the thing that is in front of us and that we would be able to work through that to be able to get to what you have for us, Lord. And I believe that that is oneness and that is unity, both here as a church, but probably even more importantly as families. And so, God, we, we love you, Lord. We thank you, God, that we, as we live out of who you say we are, that we're going to be able to be light and dark places this week, that we're going to be able to live out of that and we're going to be able to see And be an encouraging word. Maybe to introduce some of our kids to you. Lord, that we would break the pattern of just checking off the box at church and calling that devotions with the kids or for ourselves. But to really engage with you this week. Lord, help us to do the hard work of the heart work. We love you, God. We love you for that. We love you for the work that you're doing in us by your spirit. We give you all the praise because you are a great God. You are worthy of all the praise because your name is above all. Help us remember that this week. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you guys again very soon.